Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I couldn't be more excited to have you here with me this week. I am introducing a new topic this week, which is one I had never heard about. And I can't wait for you to hear about because it's really powerful. And it's a new way of looking at business. It's a new way of looking at work. It's actually a new way of looking at life when you apply it to your personal life as well. And that topic is called cooperation. And my guest today is the one that invented this term. So I thought I would have her on to share it with you and to give her insights about this idea of cooperation. So I'm thrilled to introduce you to Janice Miller. She is the managing partner of Miller Haga. She is a highly recognized legal advisor with over 25 years of experience uh, doing innovative general counsel. And I can't wait for you to hear her story. She did transition from corporate. She worked for organizations such as Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk. Uh, She was the vice president of business and legal affairs for there for over 12 years. And she played a really important role in both the business and legal sides of the billion-dollar expansion of Universal Studios Hollywood Theme Park and CityWalk. Um, she also worked at NBC Universal. She was with Walt Disney Imagineering, with Sega Gameworks. She has had a wide variety of experiences in corporate, and she talks about her transition into entrepreneurship. So I look forward to having you hear that part of it. But the main reason why I brought Janice on is because I got a hold of her book and this concept of cooperation, and I thought it was so interesting. And her book is amazing. You have to go get it. So just push pause, go order it now, because you're going to love it as well. And I can't wait for Janice to tell you about how this idea came about and the inspiration for her book and lessons that you can learn from this idea of cooperation. And I also want to make a really big announcement. If you haven't heard yet, we have opened the doors and applications for our eighth cohort of the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab, which is a 12-week group coaching program for women. Talk about being in collaboration and connection with other women. It's a small group, and it's for 12 to 15 women to participate in this program weekly for about an hour and a half. There's curriculum. We guide you through three pillars of the program. But the primary premise of the program is to help you identify what's next. So what's next in your career? Maybe you're looking at transitioning careers, or maybe you're looking to up-level in the existing career that you're in. This will help you get there. Or maybe you're feeling extremely burned out because you don't have the right boundaries, and you don't even know if you like what you're doing. You just know you want to be doing something different. This is also for you. So it's really the idea of giving you the confidence, the clarity, and the conviction to go after and define and design what's next for you. I know so many women are struggling with this right now because of COVID. And we built this program right at the beginning of COVID. Women have loved it. You can go listen to testimonials at the Women Leading Powerfully YouTube channel. And Also, please reach out. Reach out to myself 
and Lori Tab, who is my business partner, talk about cooperation. I didn't even think about it until now, which, you know, Lori and I were essentially competitors coming to the table. And we have combined our energy and our resources to develop this program for women because we are so passionate about impacting women. And we know that when we can impact women, women create that ripple effect and they impact others in the in their society, in their community, in their companies, in their organizations. So reach out, have a conversation. There's no obligation. Have a 30-minute conversation to see if the program is right for you. And hopefully, we will see you inside the program starting January 13th. And if based on what you heard, you know that it's the right fit for you, you want to take action, and you just want to go for it, then go to womenleadingpowerfully.com. You can hit apply now and submit your application to be a part of this amazing group of women that will get started together on January 13th. So let's dive into my conversation with Janice Miller, where we can learn more about this idea of cooperation. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. All right, Janice, I am so excited about this conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Natalie, for having me. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Well, I would love if you just dive in and share a little bit about yourself and your career history. Sure. Um, uh, I'm not sure how far back you want me to go, but I was born and raised in Philadelphia and always knew that uh, I wanted to get myself here to California. And after I graduated um, law school, my undergraduate degree, as a matter of fact, is in journalism and advertising. And after I graduated law school, I knew that I wanted to be here in California. So made my way out here through a series of trials and tribulations, but started working as an insurance defense lawyer for a hot minute, um, which I highly recommend for anybody wanting to be a transactional lawyer, which is what we are. Um, we say that we make love, not war, which is, tr- you know, litigation versus transactional. And uh, started working uh, after a couple of jobs in entertainment for Walt Disney Imagineering on the transactional side. And then after that, spent the majority of my career, uh, about 20 plus years at Universal Studios. Um, blessing and a curse about seven years ago, uh, they had a reorganization and I was asked to um, reorg out. And as a result of that, started my own practice and have been doing that for the past seven years and absolutely adore it. I wish that would have happened five years sooner. Uh, corporate life is is tough, especially for uh, working moms. Yeah. So thank you for sharing all of that. And um, I mean, you and I have a lot in, in common in that we both had longstanding corporate careers and, and then we made a transition into entrepreneurship. I know a lot of the women that are listening, you know, we've all been through COVID. I know a lot of my coaching clients are thinking about making a career transition. 
Sometimes it it happens, you know, <laughs> on our schedule. Sometimes it happens on someone else's schedule. And um, I, I guess I'm curious for anyone thinking about a transition or thinking about switching out of corporate. Um, what has been, you know, you mentioned you wish you would have done it sooner. Yeah. What What is an insight or something that you've gained opening your own practice that you wish you could tell yourself back in corporate? Great question. Uh, that it would be okay. Honestly, that it would be okay. Um, not easy. Uh, when I first started the practice, you know, I had been 20 years at Universal doing deals with bunches of folks and made a list of everyone that I had ever done a deal with, even the people on the other side. So j- just for your audience, I was at Universal Studios Hollywood and, and CityWalk and uh, was part of the theme park team and then the CityWalk team. So the deals that I'm talking about making are anything from landlord-tenant related issues, people having uh, retail establishments uh, through theme park building and all of my contacts there, which I, I still have today. Um, so I started by making a list of everyone that I had done a deal with who was on the other side and started going down that list and had a bunch of breakfast, lunches, and dinners um, and cocktails with folks. And, you know, again, as a working mom, um, you know, my husband was working. We were bringing kids through you know, school. I mean, at that point in time, uh, they were in junior high uh, and then as a, into high school as we progressed. And it was... Um, just having the tenacity to keep going. So believe in yourself. Don't don't think it's going to happen overnight, but just be consistent. Potentially join a network, depending on what your discipline is. Find people that are similar to your um, your area of practice. And ask for help. I mean, the, the, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but my, my, the book that, that I've written is called Cooperation, uh, Cooperation Between Competitors for the Benefit of All. And similar to when you leave somewhere, you go somewhere else, you maybe need to talk to your competitors first and see how they broke in. I find that when you ask people for assistance, most people are willing to give it. Hey, can you help me out with something? Can I take 10 minutes of your time, 15 minutes of your time? Can I buy you a coffee? Can I buy you a drink? Gain their insight, make notes, say thank you, follow up. And that's how the practice got built. And, you know, I'm happy to say that even with COVID this year, we're going to have our best year ever. Oh, that's incredible, Giannis. And such powerful advice around networking right? Keeping your network alive, tapping in. And I think which is so difficult for women sometimes, asking for help and support. Yeah. yeah. You know, there there are a lot of men that that will ask for directions if they find that they're lost. (laughs) I mean, I think that's silly. Um, I think there are uh, women especially are so willing to help other women. You and I met through a networking women's group that over the past couple of months now has, you know, sort of rocked my world. It's like phenomenal that we had 60 plus professional ladies on this first Zoom meeting, wasn't even in person, on the Zoom meeting that um, is there to help support everyone else. And and the, the energy and the power in that room uh, when we meet is, is just outstanding. I couldn't agree more. I'm so excited about it. And we will definitely talk about um, provisors. uh, Absolutely, for sure in the interview. For my women, again, that are still in corporate, what, what leadership lessons did you learn along the way in your corporate career? Really, really good question. Uh, All questions are good, but that's a really good one. It's tough being a woman, a woman in a man's world. 
Um, as we know, men have to think they're right all the time and they're in power all the time. Depending on the personality that you're dealing with, you might be able to speak with them one on one like we're speaking, or you might have to do it differently. But I think the key, the key leadership lesson again is persistence and consistency. Sadly, perception becomes reality. And you really need to make sure that what's perceived about you is um, what you want it to be, that you're tenacious, that you're good at what you do, that you're not being, you know, two things you don't do to me. You don't lie to me. You don't bully me. And I let everybody know and set the record straight. I'm open and honest to have a dialogue with you, but you start to bully me and then, then, <laughs> then, then the, the, the hairs on the back of my head start getting <laughs> up and then, you know, we start getting into a, a nasty place. And as, and as professionals and as a lawyer, especially, you don't want to get there. So I would say be consistent, be persistent, speak your peace, be respectful at all times, but speak your peace and, and don't let anybody bully you. Yeah. And you were, I mean, you were dealing with a lot of big egos in your business. I know I, I read about it in the book and yeah. And so how do you, how do you deal with that in a corporate career? Whether, you know, you're, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're, you know, a, a senior VP and you're dealing with a, a big egotistic CEO, you know, how do you, what's your advice for dealing with big, big macho egos? A hundred percent honesty and being candid. Don't pull punches. Don't play into the ego. Make sure again that you're respectful, that you have the information, especially if this is a superior that you're talking to, uh, you have the answers and don't let them, especially if you have, if you're a lawyer or an accountant or have uh, a fiduciary responsibility in that role to, you know, not necessarily, uh, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, yeah, you can't do it this way, but give options. And just to say, look, because you're the president doesn't always mean you're right uh, or, you know, whomever that you're, you're speaking with. But it's always out of a place of honesty and respect. Yeah, I, I love I love that. And it's super powerful. Um, I don't know about you. I, I know we're kind of digging in the past and then we'll move forward. Sure. But one, one of the things I know is that when I left corporate, I was a completely different woman and different leader than I was when I entered my corporate career at 21. So I'm curious, what leadership lessons would you have told your younger self? I was similarly young, right, at the time and just had uh, new kids at home. Um, I, I think the lesson is take time for you. It's a job. Um, there's there's a, a, a saying, and it, it, it's, it's in the book, is that... Um, Yesterday is the past, tomorrow is the future, today is the present. That's why they call it a gift. And I always made it a priority to make sure that when the kids had something to do, it was an extracurricular event, a dance, a football, or something, whatever, I did that to the detriment of myself because then I had to stay up late and do the work that I otherwise would have done. So it's tough being a working woman, it's tough being a working mom. Um, the lesson that I think is Take the time for you because uh, they're not going to say on your tombstone that you were the best lawyer ever and that, that that extra hour that you put in every day got you to where you need to be. I think what, what they'll say is you were an amazing mom, an amazing partner, and you were a really good lawyer. And that, and that for me is okay. So take the time, family, 
jobs super important. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely important because it affords you and your family what you need. But take the time for you, take the time for your family, for your partner, et cetera. Yeah, Janice, you bring up such an important point, especially about what's going to be on our tombstone. You know, what you're really speaking into is the legacy we want to leave. Right. And so often when we're in the middle of the time crunch of work projects and and extracurriculars with the kids and whatnot, we're not always conscientious of what do I want my legacy to be in this moment? But oftentimes, if we can ask ourselves that question, it is really powerful. And it can it can lend itself to helping us live into our values, which I know for me is family and sounds like yours was the same thing. And I would do the same thing, stay up late at night to make up for going to a kid's field trip. But I and I don't I don't regret any of it. Um, That was really important to me. But I think sometimes we can we can have these pulling priorities. So asking yourself that question can be really powerful. For sure. And and you mentioned something that was very interesting, pulling priorities. At the end of the day, if you're not the entrepreneur, they can fire you. They can let you go. There's a reorg. They don't like the color of your hair or the color of your eyes. Or, or you know, there's a, there's a shift in how they want to run things. And that's okay. But you're giving 115% of you to a particular organization. And while in the moment, You don't recognize that and you know, got to get done. I have a priority because you want to be conscientious about what you're doing and want to do a good job. You have to take that breath and say, what's my legacy here? What's more, what's the competing priority and which is the most important at the moment? Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, I think we've done a good job, um, not intentionally, but teasing up the book that you've written around cooperation. So I have it. I literally read through it in one sitting. It It's easy to read. It's great. Um, I love the storytelling and the lessons that you share with the reader. And I would love for you to share about this concept of cooperation and what inspired you to write the book. Thanks, Natalie. Uh, really great questions. I um the the book is something you know as a as a former journalist writing has always been my passion and I've done two blog series and stuff like that but as we mentioned time gets in the way so I was having right before COVID I was having lunch with two colleagues of ours from this networking group that you and I belong to called Provisors and both of them are also authors um, one is a uh, financial guy and uh, the woman is a uh, in the college um, financial assisting space. And, you know, we were talking about my background at Universal and they said to me, you need to write a book. You need to let folks know how you've transitioned from this corporate job into being a successful entrepreneur and what you've done. And I laughed and I said, yeah, right. From two to four in the morning, you know, as, as you can tell from <laughs> our dialogue, like yourself, I'm a little bit of a workaholic and two to four would probably be the only time that I was sleeping. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then what happened? Then COVID happened and had a little bit of extra time, not much because, you know, during COVID, our, our, our practice um, was still running and thriving, even though we were ro- working remotely. Um, but I had a blessing. And that was that my daughter, who had just gone off to college, um, came home and was home for eight months. And we live, uh, we're very lucky and blessed that in a, we live in an area that's about 20 minutes from uh, Malibu. 
And we were able to hop on the canyon and get to Malibu and just sit and talk and have dialogue. And then I mentioned to her that, you know, my colleague said, hey, you need to write this book. And the book had morphed over time. And I also knew that, uh, as you mentioned, that it, it's bite-sized and compartmentalized and that you could sit down in one session or two sessions, 110 pages, 108 pages. You can sit down and, and read it all at once or in two sessions and knew that I wanted to have that ability to do something that would be um, snippets that if somebody wanted to take it and read a chapter at a time, they wouldn't lose the consistency or the continuity of the book that they could do so. So the book is uh, based on stories, as you said, um, a, a key um, takeaway from that particular chapter. And then the hook for the book is based on the alphabet. So there's 26 chapters to the book. There's an introduction and an epilogue. And uh, all in all, it's a, it's a fun, easy read. Uh, and it deals with the notion that um, your competitor doesn't need, it doesn't need to be a bad thing. We're, we're told in business that um, business is a zero-sum game. For one to lose, somebody has to win. And that, that's not, not necessarily the truth, right? Especially with COVID and all that COVID had, we look to our competitors, people that do similar things, whether they're lawyers or an HR or accountants. During COVID, we all needed each other as support. I'll give you a great example. One of our colleagues, Laura Withrow, who's an employment lawyer, held a, a round table every Wednesday night still holding it now, about 18, 19 months in the making on Wednesday for all of the employment lawyers to do and share best practices. Genius, right? These are competitors that do exactly the same thing, but got right. together on a weekly basis to say, hey, what's going on this week? I mean, during COVID, the laws were changing two, three times a day. Right. Right. And when you're offering counsel and advice to somebody, you want to make sure you know what you're talking about, dot, 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 most of the time. COVID was unprecedented. So what I try to do is I try to give advice based on the alphabet. Uh, again, little snippets and takeaways that all of this, by the way, 100% common sense. 100% common sense. But it's all uh, compact and compartmentalized in, in 108 pages of the book. Well, I I absolutely love it. Like I said, I read it prior to the interview. And the thing I do like about it is I, I'm super visual. So I love your stories. And I love the experience that you share. Because I think there's so much value in the wisdom and the experience that we gain over a career. Um, and that we can learn from others. So I love that aspect of it. And I love the key takeaway you have, you have the, the way it's formatted, you have this key takeaway at the end of each chapter. And it really speaks into what's important about that t key takeaway. And again, going back to this idea of cooperation, of really, you, you talk about how in business traditionally, it's a zero sum game. That's what we're taught. And again, this is not, I'm not bad mouthing in any way or, you know, saying anything bad about men, but it's such a, it's such a masculine rule, right? I win, you lose. <laughs> yeah. For, and for this sure. idea, yeah. And this idea of cooperation to me is such a female way of doing business. Well, thanks. I'm, 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 there are, there are a lot of our male colleagues that, that do believe in, in, you know, reaching over the aisle and shaking hands with somebody. I mean, um, you know, we could, we could take any of the chapters in the book and talk about them, but, uh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about one. I, I call it, uh, chapter C, confidently prefer. 
And there was a, a particular instance where I myself reached out to a colleague and thought this particular colleague handled a particular type of matter, and he didn't. And that was okay because he was helpful enough to provide me with the name of another referral and we assisted our client. And at the end of the day, if we benefit our clients and our clients think highly of us and constantly of us, then they're going to refer other people to us. I look at myself, um, the football is on in the background in my house. I'm wearing, uh, your audience can't see it, but I'm wearing a Kansas City um, a shirt, Kansas City Chiefs shirt at the moment. I adore football, and I use football analogies a bunch in the book. In this particular instance, I was the quarterback, and I, I fumbled the ball. I didn't necessarily get the right guy that I needed to for my client. My, he picked up the ball. He ran with it and he recovered. And he said, you know what? I, in this particular instance, it's not something I can do, but it's something uh, that my, my, our other friend can do. And he gave it to this other friend to handle. We both, the, the, my client was thrilled with the referral. We both wound up looking fabulous. And because I really knew my colleague, the first colleague, Deep Connections, D, we were okay. It wasn't, a, it mm-hmm. wasn't a problem in that particular instance. So, Always be kind, always be the professional, um, understand if you make a mistake, say, you know what, it's okay, uh, admit it, right? Don't try to hide things. Share with your competitors these best practices that are out there or masterminds that are out there really, really assist everyone. And at the end of the day, like I said, if it assists your client and your client is happy, then as a, um, as a professional, you'll gain from that. Mm. So valuable. And you bring up one of the things I was going to bring up, which is be in the book, which is around be kind and be the professional. I love the story you shared about growing up and the impact and the advice that your mom gave you. Um, traditionally, we hear about, you know, work, work smarter, not harder. Um, I would love for you to share the advice that your mom gave you that I think really role models and exemplifies the way you you go to market and you go to business and the way you conduct yourself in business. And it's really obviously the the essence of the book and the and the concept as well. So would love for you to share that with my audience. Sure, would love to. Um, my mom was my hero, my role model. Uh, my dad died when I was very young, and when it's a span of eighteen months, I lost my grandfather and my great grandfather in that order. So uh, I have a sister and brother. I'm the eldest and basically raised them because my mom had to go work. Um, it was a tough time. We were Pope. You know, as, as Oprah says, we weren't even poor. We were Pope. Um, but that's okay. And my mom uh, worked three jobs just to keep things together for us. Um, it was tough, but it was amazing. And her work ethic working these jobs was really, really unsurpassed. There, the story that I tell in the book is right around Thanksgiving, we were going into a, into a supermarket and, uh, we didn't, she didn't drive. We lived in Philadelphia at the time and there were a lot of corner stores and we walked to the corner store on a regular basis and we walked in and she was looking around for this can of pumpkin puree and couldn't find it. So she turns around to a stock boy who was just doing his job and he was, you know, ignoring her. And he turned around and like, yeah, what do you want from me? And she looked down and said, Eddie, Excuse me for interrupting your busy schedule, but c- could you do me a favor? I've been looking for pumpkin puree. I can't find it. Would you mind, you know, pointing me in the right direction? This guy looked up, 
flabbergasted that somebody would acknowledge him as a person by calling him Eddie. What he was doing was important. He was stocking the shelves for Thanksgiving. And he said, sure, ma'am, no problem, and walked us over to the pumpkin puree. Well, I, I thought that my mom was psychic, right? How did she know this dude's name? We went back, you know, week after week after week. We got the best service ever, right? Because Eddie, you know, would meet us and say, you know, hey, Mrs. Taskin, anything that you needed at, at the time, my maiden name. Years later, I said to my mom, all right, I need to know your secret. How did you know this dude's name? And she said, Jan, he was wearing a name tag. <laughs> I just saw, acknowledged him as a person, understood that he was doing his job, and went for it. I mean, look, much like uh, Eddie just doing his job, when my time was done at Universal, um, my I could have been um, not nice. Right. We could have I could have gone out uh, on the low road, not the high road. Uh, always think being the professional is the way to go. Um, I still have great relationships with my with my people from Universal. Some of them have moved on and they've become clients. So mm-hmm. be kinder. Acknowledge people as humans. Take the extra step. We'll go a tremendous long way. Mm hmm. Uh, I, lo- I love that story. And it- it's so true. When we make business around supporting the client, supporting them, getting to really know them. And it circles back to networking and becoming a trusted advisor for our clients. Um, so we'd love for you just to share, and I'll share a little bit too, uh, about provisors and the value of networking. I know for me, it has been exactly what you're sharing is around getting to know such high quality people. But for me, it's not even about necessarily getting referrals, which happen. It's But it's not about getting referrals for me so I can take those referrals. It's about meeting people like yourself and others in the group to where I become this valued, trusted advisor for my clients when they say, hey, I need a great CPA. I need a great transactional business attorney. I need a great estate planner. I need someone to help me with this or that. I become the go-to person to help them and I can refer them such high quality candidates for those those roles that they're looking. So I would love for you just to share kind of your experience in provisors. I know you're a group leader. Right. Uh, and I haven't been in that long. I've been in a little less than a year, but you you've been in for a while. And, you know, I think the book obviously speaks about the cooperation as well around from a provisor's perspective. Sure, my my pleasure. Um so you recall that list that I made when I uh, first left Universal, I mentioned before. And one of the guys that was on that list was a, uh, my former partner now, a gentleman by the name of Ken Burke, also a business transactional lawyer. And while I was at Universal, I would, I would you know, stay in touch with a bunch of folks and knew Ken through a colleague. So met Ken, one of the first people that I met, and one of the first pieces of advice that he said to me is, you need to join this networking group called Provisors. Um, we are not big law. My law firm that I started out was just me at the time. Now we have other lawyers. Um, but you need assistance all the time. People try to do everything for everyone, but you're not. Try to stay in your lane. And this particular network, your provisors, professional advisors, is a network of trusted individuals in multiple disciplines, not only lawyers, but lawyers of multiple different topics and things that they do, as you've mentioned, trust in the states, criminal, defense law, personal injury, litigator, transactional, et cetera, et cetera. But accountants and mortgage workers and real estate people and people like 
your profession, Natalie, and all different disciplines where groups meet on a monthly basis and they get together to um, learn about each other. They get together to, to know about particular topics that are going on in their particular industries and can share with others so that folks stay top of mind and just be better at what they do altogether. So again, when thinking about how I transitioned out of Universal and into real, I'll call this the real world and out of corporate into the real world and going into provisors and meeting all these folks, these became my, my good friends, right? Not only mm-hmm. business colleagues, but we spend so much time doing what we're doing that why not make it fun? <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> chapter so D talks about deep connections and I, um, I go wine tasting with folks and I play mahjong with folks and running and exercising and yes, business things as well. But when you get to know, um, who you're working with, a provisor's mantra is know, like, trust and refer. And when you get to know, like, trust and refer somebody, um, why not hang out with them? Right. And mix a little bit of business and pleasure, but keep it so that you understand what's best for you and what's best for your clients always. But have this group and camaraderie with, with folks. Uh, about two years ago, I was offered a group leader position. So my group is Warner Center One. Uh, prior to COVID, we met in Warner Center, which is a fancy word for Woodland Hills area of California in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, my home group is Westlake Two. Uh, who are, you know, my people. Uh, group leaders have an opportunity not to be a group leader at some point to go in and to be a member and to share their experiences as, as any member would. So um, I, I belong to both groups and then several other groups like the women's group that we met. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's so true. You know, I think, I know for me, when I first went out on my own, I was used to working on a big team. I was working, used to working in corporate and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, now I'm a solopreneur doing everything on my own. And when I found Provisors, it was such a relief um, because of that camaraderie and because of getting to know other like-minded people and really professionally, just great professionals. And like you said, now it really is my my network. And you, you and I met on a hike because the women's affinity group that we've recently formed. You're part of it. I'm on the executive committee. We coordinated a hike. We're doing a Christ, you know, a couple Christmas activities. And, you know, we really have these fun events planned where we can build that know, like, and trust factor with each other. And just also, like you said, have fun and hang out and get to know each other on a more personal level. So yeah, it's, 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 it's an awesome organization. There's about 6,000 professionals across the country. And, um, all, you know, Washington, um, Dallas, we started a chapter back east in Chicago, uh, Massachusetts, New York. Uh, so Provisors is growing. Um, so wherever your listeners are listening from, and look, it, it's not just Provisors. There are other networking groups as well. Um, my take on all of this is find somebody that you can be uh, of assistance to. Uh, chapter D talks about, you know, give, 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 and not just receive. You mentioned that as well. Uh, I need to be here for my clients. My, you know, one of my clients was moving and needed to find a realtor, and I was able to provide that through my networking group. Um, so just find something that assists you. It says in business, you don't need to be alone. Yes. Do the, do your competitors do exactly the same thing you do? Absolutely. Is there a bunch of work out there? Absolutely. And there's enough to go around. Uh, as a lawyer, sometimes we have conflicts. So pure conflicts 
that can't be um, they can't be waived. So knowing other people to do what you do is key to assist your client. Right. Some people like female, some people like male, some people like tall and short. Right. Some people want a more aggressive approach or a lighter approach. Some people, you know, so uh, really having that um, uh, those arrows in your quiver to assist your clients with will only you know, benefit you and all, all boats will rise with the tide. I couldn't agree more. And you speak into something you also talk about in the book, too. And I agree with you is. Obviously, being competent at what you do is a prerequisite, but there's only people hire you for you specifically and what you, you uniquely bring to the table. And I think as women, we we don't often value or own that for ourselves or acknowledge it for ourselves. Um, I know I see that in a lot of my clients. And speaking of things I see in clients... One of the most difficult things I see in a lot of my clients that they bring up, because most of my clients are women, is this idea that they don't like conflict. And you talk about it in the book. It's uh, chapter I, which is invite conflict. Correct. So would love for you just to share, you know, kind of the story you shared and also your key takeaway about conflict. Sure. Uh, happy to. So in this particular, in this particular instance, uh, I was working with um, a dear colleague of mine. Somebody that uh, I I absolutely respect, have the utmost opinion for, but we were in a situation where the other side was uh, really obstructionist and not trying to to settle the matter. And in a lot of these cases, I work as a strategist and he works as a litigator, and we um, we work together so well. It's amazing. And again, a provisor's connection, somebody that I value and cherish as a mentor, my, my myself. So we were we were in this situation, and rather than the deal falling apart, when I knew that what this particular colleague was saying was not a hundred percent accurate, or wouldn't get it to the finish line in uh, the manner in which we needed to, um, with the utmost respect, I, I it was a comfortable, uncomfortable situation enough with the, the other side being obstructionist. But what I what I did was I and and I couldn't just. We were in the middle of a mediation and I couldn't take him away from that because the mediator was in the room. So I, I very respectfully said, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But how about we take a slightly different approach? And then, you know, said what that different approach was versus letting this go down the path of a horrible, a horrible outcome for the client. Because, you know, while I adore my um my colleague, he's a litigator, and the guy on the other side was a litigator, and sometimes litigators escalate things just for the sake of doing it. And I could see that going not to the benefit of our client or getting the, the situation resolved. So, you know, as that transactional strategist, I was I was able to um, stop the train, took it into a different uh, path, and we were able to, to solve it for both our client and absolutely at no loss of respect or hard feelings for my uh, colleague who's a dear friend of mine. So the, the key takeaway here is really just don't shy away from an escalating situation because you know somebody on the other side or you think you're going to hurt someone's feelings. If that person respects you as much as you respect them, have an open dialogue and say, okay, I hear what you're saying. Acknowledge their point of view, but say, in this particular situation, this is why I think something else may or may not be better. And that's what we did and it worked out uh, fabulous. You don't have to be cruel to be kind. 
Yes, yes, yes. And, and that's really what I took away. I have the book open right now. And one of the things you say, which you just said is, you know, if you truly respect someone, you'll tell them everything they must know to make an informed decision, even if it's uncomfortable. And what you just alluded to was something I see a lot is oftentimes we as women can pass over the 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 little things that bother us, whether it's personally or professionally, and we'll let them go, we'll let them go, we'll let them go. And then they escalate into this huge thing that could have been addressed if we would have just addressed the molehills as they came up. They wouldn't have become mountains, which you talk about. And I also love what you said about there's a difference between being combative and being truthful. You And then you said, you know, basically how you do that is you refer to Cynthia Lafayre in from Inc. And she says, truth sentences are brief, no more than seven to 12 words, not lots of run-on sentences attempting to explain something or justify, right? Correct. And I think that's also a trap that women can get into is we can have a, a different opinion and then we can write a page-long email or we can go into a long dialogue around why our opinion is the right opinion. But I love this succinct truth sentences are brief, no more than seven to 12 words. I think it's so powerful and such a great key takeaway. And I'm so glad you included it in the book. Thank you. Yeah. One of the other, um, I have, uh, I I was showing Janice before before our podcast interview because we're on Zoom and we can see each other. I was showing her all my green stickies in the book. Um, I have another sticky in the book around Q, which is quench your inner queen or king. And I would love for you just to talk about this concept. Okay. So I have a dear friend who's my uh, coach and helped me get to be a better person, um, physically, mentally, etc. And I uh, adore you, Jen Zerling. And um, she calls me queen of the land, Q-O-T-L. <laughs> and her proposition is, uh, and it's like, and, and we'll bring this up, and it's very interesting because my son is an airline pilot now, uh, and just got his first job at Skywest Airlines, and I'm super proud of him. But they say that when you when you get on an airplane, you put your oxygen mask on first, and then everyone else. So if you don't take care of yourself first, and you don't understand what you need as a person and as an individual, and you don't slow down a little bit. We're all professionals. We, we, most of us have, have kids or other obligations at home. We are going, 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 and we never have time for us. And if you don't slow down and take that time, you're not going to be able to take care of uh, anyone else. And I think it's, Juggling is, is a good thing, and we all excel at uh, plate juggling 101, but inevitably, if we don't slow those plates down, they're eventually going to fall and, and, and crack. So finding balance and quenching who the essence of you are and taking that time, um, I just learned how to play Mahjong. Never did that before. You know, I'm not old enough to do that yet, but I did it anyway, right? <laughs> um I love a good run. I love uh, a good bottle of wine with friends, slowing down a little bit. I, as I we've said, I'm wearing my Kansas City Chiefs yeah. jersey, right? Uh, Red Zone is on in the background. I love football, so football is my Sunday, and try to take at least part of Sunday off to slow down, regroup, 
prioritize for the next week, take some time for yourself and for your family and quench that inner king, king or queen and just, it's okay to be you. It's okay to slow down. You don't always have to be giving for everybody else. You need to take that time for yourself. I love that, Janice. And, and so valuable for my listeners. I know it's one of the things I see come up a lot with women is, and, and you you bring up such a good point of, you know, yes, we we have a big queendom, <laughs> right? We do. And, and we, we have a lot of people we're responsible for. But if we're not taking care of ourselves, um, our kingdom isn't going to last very long. Correct. And I love the oxygen mess. I, I've talked about it in prior podcast episodes as well. One of the other chapters that I flagged that I feel would be really valuable for my listeners for you to share is why is you are not perfect. So get over it. So what what are some key takeaways you have for my listeners here? Well, we're all not perfect. We all make mistakes. I, I think the um, the story in the book, if I remember this one, is I was working really late at, at night with a colleague uh, and a client on a particular draft that needed to get done that night. And we were sending it overseas. So it had to be done before the night. And uh, we were working on this. And it, it wasn't an insignificant transaction. It was about a 10 or $15 million transaction. And we needed to get something done. And we were going back and forth on, on nits and nuances. And in the business transactional world, nits and nuances are what people pay me for. So it was nine, 10 o'clock at night. We finally got this, this draft done and we had been going back and forth about 10 or 11 drafts and finally got the approval on it. And I sent the wrong draft, right? I sent the draft before. And again, it wasn't minor stuff. It was one little nuance that had to be done. And I was like, Oh God. And it was one of those. Do I recall the message? Do I call my guy back? It was like 11 o'clock here. It was just, uh, this was going to London and it was, it was just almost London waking time and we wanted to make sure it was good. And it was, um, it was stressful for a couple of minutes. And I said, you know what? We all make mistakes. It's okay. We're not perfect. I called my guy back. My guy said, ah, I saw it too. You know, not a problem. You corrected it. Yeah, I corrected it. Great. And then it went off to the, uh, the other side and we got it done. Uh, the deal got done the next day or so. So, you know, the point of that, that is, um, we're all not perfect. We all mess up. When you mess up, just say, excuse me, I mess up. Um, we're not doing it on, on purpose and it's okay. It makes us human and it's okay to be that vulnerable sometimes. You know, obviously if it's, if it's a big deal, um, there could be ramifications, but better to acknowledge that there's an issue and deal with it and not try to uh, hide it. Yes. I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Janice, the book is great. I love this concept of cooperation. I'm so glad you brought it to life for us and for everyone who has the opportunity to read the book. I will absolutely put the link to Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble as well. I'll put that link in the show notes. It's very simple, Cooperation, the Cooperation Between Competitors for the Benefit of All by Janice Miller. So go pick it up. It's worth it. Her stories are great. And like I said, it's just, it's an easy read. I feel like I'm sitting at the breakfast table with you having coffee and you're sharing your experiences with me. I love it. I love the key takeaways that you talk about. Any last words of wisdom or key takeaways that you have for my listeners? Now, I, for, first and foremost, thanks, Natalie, for uh, allowing me to share the book and, and my stories. Um, life is too short, right? 
we all learn that. Some of us learn that the, the, the hard way. Some of us learn that early enough in life to do something about it. Um, cooperation uh, allows us to be on both the receiving end, but on the giving end of things. And uh, agreement, another great book out there called The Go-Giver. Um, just a- absolutely be true to you. Be true to yourself. Uh, in, enjoy life because it's not a dress rehearsal. We only have one of it. And to the extent that when you're working and you can cooperate with people that do similar things that you do and benefit not only the other side, but you and your client specifically, that's key. So I, I greatly appreciate uh, you and your audience and thank you for the opportunity and um, look forward to talking to you again soon and seeing you at another uh, Valley Women's Group. Yeah, I look forward to it too, Janice. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your time with uh, myself and my audience. Again, I learned so much from the book and I'm just so grateful that we connected. So, Amen. Uh, yeah, I love it. Have a great rest of your Sunday watching football I and I will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Oh, 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 oh,